Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Really interesting episode today with Matt of Can of Bliss, which is an interesting platform, different than what most people are doing with a lot more scalable model. Uh, what they do is completely seal the cannabis, which helps with shelf life and other things. And then through an AR app in the retailer, in the dispensary, you can actually see the buds specifically in that can, the exact cannabis that's in that can. This brings up a lot of interesting things about licensing and partnerships and a platform as opposed to growing and selling lots of cannabis. Very interesting, very scalable model that we talk about. Matt also has a great history of building and exiting companies in the technology space. We talk about what he brought in from those businesses. Really great stuff, guys. Uh, I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Matt, thanks for joining us. Really nice to have you. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get started on an easy one. What's Can of Bliss? So Can of Bliss, we're taking California's finest flower and we're putting it into the most innovative packaging that we could design and putting it together in the dispensary with a really immersive augmented reality experience for the consumer to really understand the, the cannabis they're buying. So we wrap all that up into a brand called Can of Bliss. And it's basically a little canister of happiness that we're trying to just distribute as much as we can. Canister of happiness, I like that. Yeah. So I think the really interesting angle that you do as a brand versus other brands is this AR technology. How did that idea come about? So from the start, we wanted to make a brand and around really good cannabis and to protect really good cannabis. Like when I started this, when I started thinking about this, late 2015, like a lot of it was baggies. I mean, we're still like selling stuff in sandwich bags yeah. at that stage. and. Um, and I thought there was a real opportunity to, to design packaging and branding specifically for cannabis that was perfect for cannabis flower because it was such a unique product, right? It, was, it needed protection, it needed uh, protection pre-sale, protection in your pocket, all these things. And as part of that design process around what's the perfect way of presenting cannabis, it, was, it came down to kind of like, in terms of materials like glass or plastic or metal, Metal looked like a really good material because it's, uh, it's opaque, it's cheap, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, it's resealable. But a challenge with having an opaque packaging, which is great because you, you can't, the light can't destroy your cannabis, is you can't see the bud that's in your can. Yeah. And that was a big impediment to sale because we had the perfect can of bliss, but people couldn't see the weed and there's very little trust in the cannabis business. So we decided to innovate around that. So the first thing we did was we, did, we uh, in, um, invented something called the nug shot. So the nug shot is a photograph of the nugs in your can. And so we're like, okay, that's cool. So we put that on our website. You could look up your can number and put it in the, uh, and we printed it off as a little photograph of the, the weed in your can, in your exact can. Yeah. And we filed a patent on that. That was cool, but we wanted something that was a little bit more immersive, easier to understand and more fun. So um, we're a little bit unusual in that we have a lot of uh, technology kind of skills. I mean, we're a really small team, but my co-founder, Gil, is a MIT software engineer. So a lot of our emphasis has been like, okay, let's make some really good software as part of this, uh, as part of this, uh, this experience. And so we wanted the people to be able to see the nugs in their can prior to purchase at point of, uh, at point of sale. So we started developing uh, augmented reality. So AR, 
is a uh, it's a relatively new technology. The last five, six years, people have been really developing it. And AR puts data and images into reality. So the room that you see around you, if you looked at it through an AR device, you may see some details about various products or people that you're with, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you kind of put it on top of reality. So augmented reality is kind of cool. And we're like, okay, we can do that with our NUGS. So we worked hard with uh, iOS's new uh, uh, software development kit and we put AR as part of our experience. And let me explain how that works. So you go in the dispensary, there's some cans of bliss next to the register with this uh, iPad stand thing. And um, and the bud tender will, will take some cans, put it under the stand, and you can see the nugs that are in that particular can. So you can see this can has a big fat nug, this can has some smalls, the, this weed is really, uh, is really frosty, this one's greener. And you can make your choice in a very, very informed way. So augmented reality is not just visuals, it's data and it's other sensory uh, sensory things as, uh, on there as well. So we've uh, added to the image of the weed in the can with a lot of data, so the THC results and where it's from um, and lineage on the screen, and then also added another dimension, which is scratch and sniff. So you can not only see the weed in your can, but you can smell it. And that's a scratch and sniff from the terpene of that strain. So we had to create this very immersive 360 degrees view of, uh, of what's in your can, and that's our AR experience. So I want to break down a few things you said there. First of all, I think it's an awesome application of AR because a lot of the AR technologies, they're very cool, but they're sort of just the novel of the technology. They don't even actually, they don't have a very effective mm -hmm. use case for it. Maybe the best so far was like Pokemon Go, right? The game, I think a lot of people are familiar with that, but you've, you've found a real use case for it, particularly in cannabis, because people don't trust that they're getting the right cannabis, right? They want to see it, they want to smell it, they want to know the terpenes, especially in some other markets, Washington included, where you can't have any access to mm -hmm. what's in the jar, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to step back just a little bit to the actual sealing technology and sort of how you came to that decision, because very different from what other people are doing in the industry. Yeah, so uh, my original job back in the day out of college, I worked in the food industry a little yeah. bit. I worked for a big uh, consumer goods company called Unilever. I worked in, uh, it was like frozen food and ice cream. And uh, it was only like three years, but, but that really influenced how I think about consumer goods and about um, how they should be presented. And back in 20, late 2015, when I was thinking about this, I was comparing like the fresh fruit aisle in Safeway and the kind of packaged aisle and how different they are. Because we were going, uh, basically the legalization in California required you to prepackage your cannabis, have it totally sealed. And I saw that coming and I'm like, wow, that's a big, uh, the packaging sucks, you know? The packaging was designed for, uh, for, for pills. The packaging was designed for cat food. The packaging was, was designed for film canisters. This packaging was never designed for cannabis and now we have like a $50 product in packaging designed for pills. They're radically different products, you know? One is fresh, one is totally irregular. You'll have bigs and smalls. Mm -hmm. I'm a weed smoker every day, and I want to pick up the smalls so I put my bong, not hit the big. You can't do that in a vertical packaging. So I want to design, like, like fundamentally, how, what should cannabis packaging look like? It should be flat in terms of tour, so you can choose your nugs. It should be totally sealed from the elements prior to sale so you can have long shelf life. But once you open it, it should be resealable so it stays fresh. Like these are all elements of what we really needed in cannabis 
And you weren't getting that from a, from a sandwich bag. You weren't getting that from a, from a cat food can that was reused in cannabis. Fundamentally, I wanted to design a, a whole experience that was about cannabis and designed by me and my other friends who smoke like a lot of cannabis. So I just wanted to do it, and so I did it, and uh, that's kind of bliss. Got it. Um, you talked about a few of the benefits of sealing it. How about in the rest of the supply chain, like at retail or cultivators? Like, sure. what, what's the benefit there of actually sealing? It? So a big benefit. So as part of our sealing, so we seal it in uh, in this little can, and uh, and we seal it with nitrogen gas. Um, and the benefit. So and as part of that, we suck out all the air, and then we replace it with nitrogen. So nitrogen is seventy percent of our atmosphere. You breathe in nitrogen right now. That's what you breathe in. Seventy percent of it. It's an inert gas, meaning it doesn't react with the cannabis. About 20% of the air is oxygen. Oxygen is incredibly reactive. Oxygen will rust iron. You know, oxygen will will kill cells. Like oxygen, like it's oxygen is a very very reactive molecule. And when cannabis oxidizes, the THC turns to CBN. So THC is what gets you high, CBN is what, what, what makes you sleepy. So older bud will make you more sleepy. So we wanted to keep it super duper fresh. So we, uh, we pack it in nitrogen. And the benefits for the consumer is it's fresher bud when it gets there, especially if it's been a couple of months in the supply chain. The benefits for the supply chain, like the, the, uh, the retailers especially, is that you don't have to worry so much about your, your stock going out of date. It has like shelf life years. Like basically infinite if you keep it at the right temperature, and what this means is for the uh, for the dispensaries that they can have more choice for the consumer. If you go out into the market, there's hundreds and hundreds of different strains available. Like my buyers, we look at strains all the time, and they're really different in terms of the taste, the flavor, and the the effects. But if you go to a dispensary, you look at the flower selection. It may be like twenty selections of flower, and even then, it feels like too much. Like. The, uh, whereas if you go, you go to a regular store, you go to CVS, you go to Walmart or whatever, they may have 100,000 SKUs. You go in a cannabis dispensary, 200 SKUs. A big part of that is because shelf life. If the, if the dispensary could have better shelf life, they could have more choice available. So we could have more uh, CBD strains of flour available, more low THC strains available, more kind of peripheral things. In economics, they call that the long tail. And that's kind of Amazon did it first with like, slower moving books, right? We can do the same as slower moving strains and give more choice. But that's a big challenge for, for, for dispensaries is shelf life and management. And, and then like if you have uh, everything packed in glass, if you, if you drop a case of, of uh, glass packed things, you're gonna know about it and it's gonna spoil all that case. If, you're, if your customer takes it out and drops it on the floor, like it's a pain in the ass, it's really heavy, it's fragile, it's just not not the right material. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those things is how we're kind of helping out. Got it. So walk me through the consumer experience a little bit. You mm -hmm. walk up to the counter in a store, in a dispensary, and the bud tender has this AR app on an iPad or a phone, and then explain it to me a little bit. How does that conversation go? Definitely. So uh, we just went live with the AR app. The first dispensary was in uh, Magnolia. Yeah which is a, uh, a pretty busy dispensary in, in Oakland. Yeah, shout out to Debbie, old, yeah. old friend of the show. Exactly. Yeah. So Debbie was actually my, one of my teachers when I did a course in 2015 in Oaksterdam. Yeah. So thank you, Debbie. Anyway, uh, so we're live there, and the experience goes like this. You'll go to the, to the uh, they, they have like a glass counter with all, with all the bud in it, the different types of bud, 
it's not that informative there. You're, you're, we're up against everyone else. But when someone goes to the checkout counter, there's a, uh, a cardboard pop point of purchase display with our strains. At the moment, we've got four strains in there. And the there's this uh, unusual looking kind of stand thing. And the stand looks really cool. It's got this uh, wooden base made out of walnut with like gold like paint and stuff on it. And then this copper stand and this little iPad on the top. And uh, and the bud tender will present to you, hey, have you seen this? Grab a, grab a can and put it under this stand. Immediately the nugs that are in that can appear. And it's a pretty magical experience because no one's really seen that before. In fact, no one's ever seen that before because that was unique and we patented it. Yeah. So no one's had the experience of seeing inside a sealed container and seeing what they're about to buy. Whether it's in the food industry or the weed industry or whatever. No one's ever done that. It's so really fun. It's, it's really, really fun. fun. Yeah. It's really fun. So, so you can choose. And then the bud tender can switch out. You've got this frosty one or this greener one. This frosty one's like 50 bucks. The greener one's 40 bucks. You go through that explaining what there is. And what's nice about that is that we've now got a constrained choice set. So you're choosing among the cans, cans of Blitz, which is nice because our sales reflect that. So in our first weeks of sales, we compared our sell-through on our flower brands versus the other flower brands. It was about, we had four in there, there was about 20 competitors. And we saw that our sales were about 5x the competitors. Wow. And we put that down to the AR. We put it down to the AR because we've done, and we've been selling cans of Bliss in various guises for, for like the last 18 months or so. And we've been kind of like selling similarly to other brands because we were never, a lot of the benefits and experiences weren't really readily available to the consumer. But what's nice about the AR stand, it gets the can in the hand, it gets them to realize that there's something special going on. And, and the weed is really good. We've got some of the best flower now in California. So it's not just the packaging, it's like the actual flower that we're presenting to the customer is some of the best flower. Uh, I mean, it's like the best that we can find. Uh, so it's a, it's a really nice experience for the consumer to see it. And then it's actually a very practical can that a lot of people reuse for their for their other bud. They'll buy a can of bliss and they'll be like, oh, whatever, get some other bud from someone else, put it in the can, because it's like a really nice thing to put in your pocket, yeah. carry around, all the rest of it. And where's the price point? Uh, so until now, we've been doing a lot of sun-grown, uh, but now we're switching to more ingra, uh, indoor. So the price point on the indoor is about 45 bucks. Um, and it's kind of like mid price point yeah. on the indoor, even though the, pr the quality is really good. And that's kind of because I switch over to this new market. Um, I want to price it pretty competitively. Got it. So when you think about scaling up, is this a technology and experience that's going to be limited to Can of Bliss? Or how much have you investigated, explored sort of other brands and licensing that technology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So through our evolution as a company, uh, I've been asked like 100 times that, can I source your packaging? Can, how much is it for a can? Sure. Because people see us as a packaging company because that's a lot of our innovation's been there. Strategically, I wanted to build the brand Can of Bliss on what we've now built and we think of it as like a brand platform. So the brand platform includes the unique packaging, we've got patents and stuff, the augmented reality, the data set behind that, which is also available through the website. There's a whole there's a whole like collection of software and technology we've developed to support our one brand. So the, cho the question is, hey, we're going to offer this to other brands, or which parts of it? And basically, our strategy is um, state by state. We want to roll out 
a brand and find a brand partner. We think that Can of Bliss is a brand. I mean, it's an early brand now, but Can of Bliss as a brand will be is going to be relevant enough to be actually a franchisable asset in these other states. And the way we want to do that is offer them the the cans, the brands, and the technology we have. We've kind of concentrated up our packaging line into a container. We call it it's like a canning line in a shipping container. We call it container. And that container can pump out about five to ten thousand sealed cans per day, depends on how many hours you work it. And that's something we want to be able to provide to other um, suppliers in other states. Now, in terms of this being just for us or for other for other brands, there are other flower brands out there that are strong and where we could do this and where we could partner and do collaborations. There's particular things that are interesting on the collaboration. We could do the cans or we could do the, uh, the technology. On the technology side, doing the QR to Augmented reality experience is something that would be pretty simple for us to to license out, um, or we can do custom cans for other brands. We've got a lot of people who want to work with us on the uh, custom cans joining the platform, and to date we've been working to kind of autom- well actually to develop that platform is brand new, but then to automate some of that sealing and some of more of the imaging and make that more automated. But the plan over the next six months is to get some of those licensing deals going in California to get more people onto our brand platform so they can have AR in the in the uh, in the dispensaries and then building out the platform in other states probably based on our own brand first but then allowing other people to join that platform as well so I think it's a really novel approach for the cannabis industry because most of the cannabis companies they're like let's raise a lot of money let's add a bunch of opex at the front end use a lot of humans a lot of labor and you're coming at it with a very technology based focus of how do we keep our team lean how do we develop novel things like that's cool that, right. that, that brings your background up, I think, a little bit. Where We should dive into that. You had this great technology career. You worked at EA, which is a, um, honestly, I grew up on EA, so that's really cool. How do you think what you learned there in that experience, in that career, you, you started and exited a company. How do you think that's influenced what you've done here? So I came to the, I'm from the UK, came to the US, did an MBA at UC Berkeley, and a lot of the MBA and that was like back in the day, two, uh, 1999 to 2001. So it was kind of like internet bubble time. Yeah. Like a lot of my education was around kind of uh, internet bubble stuff and kind of like Silicon Valley technology. And uh, I was, I've been heavily influenced by the work of an of a, um, entrepreneur VC called Steve Blank. Mm-hmm. And he's got a very kind of engineering philosophy around innovation and building companies and that kind of stuff. And... Uh, and so a big part of that is finding what they call product market fit in a very scalable business model. So you want to find something that works that can scale very, very quickly. So a lot of my thinking around this was like, damn, how can I make a cannabis brand scale? Like a lot of the, a lot of the guys when I was first thinking about this were like building farms, mm-hmm. right? Or buying up chains of dispensaries. I mean, that was that's the kind of standard strategy. But for me, buying up a chain of dispensaries isn't very scalable. You know, like you need millions and millions of dollars just for one dispensary. It's a pain in the ass, you have to hire staff, everything else. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to do, get into growing either. Like the whole growing economics are radically changing. They're uh, terrible. Terrible. And then, and then also to build like, like a brand is something that should be scalable across regions and things. That's the whole point of building a brand. And so, I'm like, damn, I can't build a grow ops in 50 states. Yeah. Like, no way. 
right? And, and, and so I didn't want to, basically the strategy of vertical integration that most people are following in California, which makes sense economically within our state, makes it almost impossible to have, to go to build an international brand, which means you have to be very, very skinny and very scalable and very horizontal business model. So we went for that latter kind of horizontal business model. How can we, how can we do our little thing, which is basically buying flour and buying other ingredients and processing and packaging and putting it into this beautiful packaging? How can we do that in the most skinny way, right? How can we, how can we uh, I don't want to grow, I don't want to transport, I don't want to necessarily even want to sell. Like I, I want to do my little bit really, really, really well and then take that and make that horizontal. So it, everything we're doing, has to be scalable, yeah. right? So the technology platform has to be scalable, which it is. The manufacturing platform in terms of like manufacturing the packaging, it's very scalable. Our production platform in terms of container, is, it's still in development, but that's pretty much scalable as well. So the idea is how can we have it so that we can get into like roll out a new state for like 500K. And that's pretty much the business model we got now. So proving it out in California, and then as in like it really is product market fit and it really is scalable and then raising like whatever reasonable amount of money and building out operations and franchises and partnerships in like 10, 12 states will make it, it's like an MSO, but it's like a very, very light MSO yeah. with, the, with the emphasis on building a brand and building defensible technology yeah. and IP. So we've filed a lot of patents and, uh, and it's kind of, I don't know, I mean, it's been really fun building yeah. a business, yeah. So this concept of lean startup and horizontal, it applies to any number of industries. I mean, your background lends itself to doing a lot of different types of startups. Mm -hmm. Why cannabis? Like, since, since I really started, since I tried cannabis back when I was like 16, friends of mine, they were like, whatever. What was that? Forming Tell me about band. that experience. Where, where were you? Uh, uh, just so in in England we we st we go to high school from 16, 16 17, 18 and yeah. I just started high school and I had my new set of friends and we were uh, we were going to form a band. Yeah. So <laughs> I was the uh, I was the bassist. Anyway, I had like whatever bought a bass. Like two of the guys could play any music. Anyway, we were kind of like practicing up in a friend's bedroom and uh, one of the friends had some weed. Yeah. So we smoked it and it was my first time. It was really fun and uh, the band didn't last very long. But my kind of love, love for the plant really did. So, um, and it kind of goes up and down in terms of my consumption. Of, uh, I went to college pretty late, and I didn't smoke any weed when I went to college. But I was smoking like a lot of weed before, and then afterwards. It was, it's tough because I was um, my first like from high school to college. Like took five years off and traveled the world, went to like Africa and Asia and all these cool. things, and smoked like a lot of weed. And then, but after coming back from that five years, I'm like, okay, I'm like 23 got to get my shit together, got to go to college, I got to do all these things. So like went to a really good college, worked really hard in these big companies and stuff, trained as like an accountant and all these things. And a lot of that, that lifestyle choices do not really fit in with being like a daily smoker. Mm -hmm. that. So that was always like this struggle in my life about, okay, I'm like this professional guy, whatever, meeting, sales, quotas, blah, blah, all that stuff going down and kids, more, like responsibilities yeah. of like a real adult. And this feeling that, that uh, maybe smoking a lot of weed wasn't good for these things. Maybe my boss doesn't like it. Maybe, right. maybe it's not good for my cash flow. And this was a real struggle for me of like, oh, maybe I should stop smoking weed. Oh, I love smoking weed, let's get stoned. Oh, I should stop smoking weed. <laughs> this kind of like, 
trying to balance it. So it was like kind of yin yang, like, like I don't know, one time I got this little lockbox thing where I could like lock my weed in there and put a time on there and I like, won't smoke for two days. <laughs> I would just find weed under the sofa and just smoke the incense there. <laughs> anyway, about 10 years ago, I'm like, oh man, this, this is bullshit, you know? Like, I'm kind of lying to my, like, what, like, what's so bad about smoking weed? Like, I just like, this yin yang, how about I just go yang all the time, yeah. like that? And so I really embraced like, being okay with smoking weed, right? With me, whatever, the people around me at work, like, I'd go out, they'd smoke ciggies, I'd smoke weed, yeah. not a big deal. Whatever, I don't care if my neighbors like smell me smoking weed, whatever, I'm all right now. Yeah. I'm like really public with my weed consumption. Yeah. And I'm like a responsible adult with kids and mortgages and all that good yeah. stuff. And, um, and for me it was like, ah, that's fine. So then it was like, okay, now you're stoned all the time. How can you be effective and efficient being stoned all the time? Like, how do you do that? Because a lot of people find it very, very difficult. And so, <laughs> I developed a, uh, a method of working with uh, uh, to-do lists and really like prioritizing my time and getting stuff done. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I live it. And, uh, and as part of that, combining my love for technology and weed and uh, kind of experiencing consumer goods kind of made sense for me to start kind of bliss. So that's where I'm at. And um, since you sort of made that decision, like decided to be true to yourself, it sounds mm -hmm. like, how has your life changed? You know, is it, did it give you all the benefits that you expected it to? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, um, there isn't that much pushback in terms of like conservatives like saying you're bad or something like that. Like I have, I have a life down here in the valley uh, in, in the Bay Area. I have uh, like some property up in the mountain where people are a lot more conservative. And, uh, and I'm quite open about my, my habits as well. Like, during this time, like that, the whole, I mean, it's nothing, it's not radical anymore. Yeah. It's not rude, it's not crazy, right? People smoke on the street, it's not, I'm not doing a mad thing anymore, right? Um, so I don't think it's affected my life that much. I mean, whatever, before I would smoke weed, whatever, the back of the garage and I smoke weed on the patio. It doesn't make that much difference. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I was arrested once for smoking stoned, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> spent a day in jail, but that's that's like just tiny things, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so, how does that relate? Do you think to scaling up Cannabis? Because you're you're a pretty small company today. Mm -hmm. You're the boss. You do whatever you want. You've sure. raised a little bit of money so far. What a million dollars, something like that. Mm -hmm. When you go to raise a bigger round, potentially from an institution, mm -hmm. do you expect that to be a conflict at all? It's a really interesting question, actually, because what I find is that a lot of investors who are coming in, especially on kind of like institutional, crazy institutional side, are coming in from a place where they really look down on cannabis, yeah. where, where to be a Wall Street financer, I mean, you have to be really conservative because they're trying to conserve the cash of your people. And so there's, all, I mean, there's a lot of people who really don't like people who smoke weed. And they're, they're like, I heard someone refer to, oh, he's like OG. And not referring to me, it's someone else. And it's like, what does that mean? It's like, they smoke weed. Because I don't, because I wear a, a sports suit and a, and a shirt. And so I think, it, I mean, it's an impediment for, for people who don't like weed to invest in weed companies where the boss smokes weed. That's your impediment, that's not mine. I mean, it's my impediment in terms of, in terms of we have to be more selective with our investors. But I, as smoking weed, smoking cannabis, like, we're in an industry with a lot of people who smoke cannabis, and if you work in a dispensary, you don't smoke cannabis, 
you're really at a big, big disadvantage. If, if you're working in a, in a cannabis trading company, which basically we're doing, and you don't smoke cannabis, I don't know, it's really difficult. I would find it very difficult for me to buy, to trust you that you're choosing the cannabis in the right way. Um, but bigger than that, I mean, it's like a so it's like a cultural thing. If I smoke weed with someone, like a business partner or something, like it gets a different level of trust. You know, you become like we're all on the same side. You know, we're not like it, it breaks down a lot of the kind of bullshit that's we've been taught about how business should be run and how you should be aggressive and all these things. And it, it it's it's a pleasurable in, like uh, industry to work in because people, for me anyway because people uh, are okay with smoking weed. So what do you like? What kind of strains? What, do you like a bong? You like joints? What are you, uh, what are you into? Yeah, I, uh, bong, like, I really like bong, uh, but my throat um, is, uh, if, you, if you hit the bong all the time, your throat gets kind of messed up. Uh, so I enjoy vaporizing flour. Uh, until recently, I really more enjoyed the sativa, but the last year or so, I've been getting more into indica. Uh, just we've been we've been sourcing more indicas recently. Uh, to now, I'm, today I'm smoking zookies, a strain of uh, uh, great strain. Yeah, animal animal cookies and gorilla glue. It's great. Um, I mean, I, I I like the variety of different cannabis. Like I grow my own cannabis at home. You know, my friends grow it like that, uh, and it's like the variety. Some people are really snobby about cannabis. I like even like like outdoor outdoor cannabis. I really enjoy as well. Like the terps are really hot. Like often much tastier. I really like the variety, and that's kind of part of why I did kind of bliss. So that, the, that variety of strains can get to the consumer, so that people can enjoy it as well. Um, but it's kind of variety there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll give you a second just the floor to promote whatever you want. Are you hiring for anybody? Uh, you know, what are you looking for? How can the audience help you? Um, yeah, we are uh, hiring for a uh, head of marketing that's going to be coming up. Uh, we've got a great team. Uh, so that's one thing. We're, we're, uh, we've got a little bit left in our seed round. Then we're going to be raising the Series A probably come September. Um, we, we relaunch on this new platform in May, and sales have been doubling every month so far. We want to keep doubling up there. Um, so, I mean, summary is we've got some beautiful IP. We've developed, we've developed one of the best kind of brand platforms for cannabis, we think. And we want to roll that out both under our brand and with partner brands over the next couple of years and really make, make a claim for making like a really relevant global brand of cannabis, and we don't think that there's that many other people who've got that same aspirations. A lot of people are pursuing strategies where they're going to find it very, very difficult to go global because they've got a vertical integration, and we think we've got a real chance of doing that. Uh, and so that's our objective over the next couple of years to build that out and scale it. Um, and based on our technologies of like software, super scalable, hardware, yeah. super scalable. The relations we have with farmers are really scalable as well. It's really just blowing out. That's awesome, man. I love your perspective. I love the way you're going about it, specifically the horizontal versus vertical. You can be so much more efficient with your capital, which right now in cannabis is a very novel thing. Everybody's mm -hmm. trying to race to the bottom, in my opinion. And right. you got a whole different perspective on it. So that's awesome. This was awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Brent. Yeah.